You're listening to Music Tectonics. Hey everybody, and welcome back to Music Tectonics, the podcast where we get to talk about all the exciting seismic shifts that are changing the shape of music and tech and music tech. I am your very irregular host, Tristra Newyear Yeager, strategist at Rock, Paper, Scissors, and we're a music and music tech PR firm and the crazy people behind Music Tectonics in all of its virtual and hopefully someday, once again, physical forms. Um, today, we have a really interesting guest who has a very specific a fascinating viewpoint on what's going on with the way we are enjoying music right now and engaging with music. Um, Stephen Blackwell from Alpha Data. And um, Stephen, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's absolutely a pleasure. Um, oddly enough, one of the things I love is talking about data and especially listening data. So um, this is a treat for me. Uh, so uh, can you tell us a little bit about Alpha Data and your role there as president and anything about your background you think will um, be of interest to the listeners? For sure, absolutely. Um, happy to dive into some detail there. Um, you know, so I have had the good fortune of spending my entire career in music. Um, and whether that was through media, whether that was through technology as it is today, or a mix of media and technology, um, you know, I've had the great pleasure of being able to um, afford being part of the the music space in, in one way or another. Um, you know, which derived from being a very very mediocre songwriter and mediocre guitarist. Um, you know, when I was a kid and spending a lot of my time in bands, kind of traveling around the country and and growing up that way. Um, you know, so in in terms of my history. Um, you know, in 2009, I started a publication called Death and Taxes, which was very focused on indie music, uh, the intersection of indie music and politics, um, but also how we could take that platform and extend it into the experiential space. So if you go back to the halcyon days of internet entrepreneurship, um, you know, essentially the folks like the Buzzfeeds, the Gawkers, the Mashables, everything that was blowing up at that time, 11 years ago now, they were really focused on online publishing, but the print publications that I loved, like Spin, like The Fader, like Vice, like Filter, those guys were also all in the event business. Um, and so what we thought we could do with my co-founder, a guy named Alex Moore, who worked with me in a couple of permutations uh, and is now the uh, vice president of content at Dropbox, you know, we thought, what if we pursue the internet only content strategy while having this experiential arm? Um, and that's what we pursued with Death and Taxes for a number of years. Um, flash forward to 2014, uh, and that business was acquired by Spin Media, which was home to the legendary music publications Spin and Vibe, um, but was also you know, home to a, a bunch of other cool music publications, uh, including folks like Stereo Gum, Brooklyn Vegan, um, you know, all places that you know, I, I loved and really wanted my brand to be a part of that brand Halo. Um, and so from there, uh, you know, within six months, of the business being acquired. Um, I became CEO of Spin Media, um, operated that for about two years. 
And then that business uh, was acquired by Billboard and Hollywood Reporter in 2016, um, where I served as the uh, the chief strategy officer of that business, um, you know, for about a year, uh, and then linked up with the guys from um, from PMC to you know help them build out their you know music portfolio and launch their you know their 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 corporate sales division um and you know in that you know pmc which is run by uh jay penske um has made a bunch of really incredible smart acquisitions in the music space uh including you know owning and operating rolling stone um an equity investment uh in music business worldwide uh and also a majority investment uh in buzz angle uh which uh, we have since rebranded as uh, Alpha Data, with the product being Alpha Data Music Plus, um, and I am now happily serving as the uh, as the president of that business um, and pushing it forward into you know what will hopefully be a happy 2020 uh, along new lines of innovation. That's exciting. Um, your background just hints at a lot of transitions and what must have been some. Um, let's put it some interesting and exciting moments. Um, I mean, you're, you're, the media has changed so much. And as you mentioned, the sort of that crop of internet publications went through so many permutations and challenges. Um, and the music business itself has been through quite a, a set of, of shocks and um, rallies. And so I'm wondering, this is a little bit off topic, um, but before we dive into um, what uh, Alpha Data can 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 show people and what you've seen, um, how you know what's going on right now is pretty striking. Um, it's a difficult time for a lot of companies in the media, tech, and music space. Um, are you looking back on any particular lessons um, and and drawing on any of those, or, or are there any? Any thoughts that that have come to mind lately that like, wow, this really reminds me of 2008 and we went ahead and started Death and Taxes anyway. Um, Just I was wondering if you had any wisdom from your past career that you could share just to warm us up here. Yeah, for sure. Um, And thanks for asking. Um, I will do my best uh, attempt at wisdom. Um, uh, (laughs) Hopefully that'll be helpful. Uh, But ultimately, I think one of the things that you touched upon Um, And you could probably say a lot more eloquently than I can, but when it comes to media and media as an internet business, not media as an out-of-home business, not media as a print business, not media as a broadcast business, but media as an internet business, went through a lot of periods where uh, I I guess the best way to put it or or the best analogy that I could use is essentially it would, it would, it would assemble and break apart and reassemble and break apart. Uh, you know, I had saw I had seen that happen in publishing, um, you know, over over a long period of time. And, you know, so for a while, when you talk about things breaking apart, you know, essentially you had these music publications in Rolling Stone and Spin, um, you know, that had you know massive circulations, uh, and then these these new businesses started popping up like filter, like vice, like fader that were telling niche stories about niche artists, um, but trying to function in the same distribution channels, which is essentially newsstands. Um, and so you had people build some businesses around that. Um, and some of those successfully turned into, um, you know, internet businesses. Um, you know, some of them did not, um, you know, and, you know, that was one interesting thing to watch happen, um, was why, 
why a business didn't necessarily pivot, you know, when the writing was on the wall and, 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 and take their best effort, you know, on the digital front, uh, even though that was the wildest of the wildest Wests at that point in 2008 to 2010 or even 2011, um, you know, the competition was, was surreal uh, and the amount of output that you had to have as an entrepreneur, um, you know, was, was extraordinarily challenging, but it was also extraordinarily exciting. Um, you know, so that is one of the things that I would I would say is you you, you I, I would I would I would encourage people to try to predict when things are breaking apart and when they are consolidating and how that consolidation is going to stay. And so, for instance, in, in 2014, one of the main drivers for consolidation, uh, you know, was essentially in the media space was essentially a platform called Comscore. Uh, and Comscore was stack ranking uh, the size of internet publishers against one another, and therefore, you know, and and giving you some some interesting data into what those demographics look like, um, you know. So that was a you know what started happening in the in the advertising space for 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 publishers was essentially, hey, we have a minimum of you know five million unique visitors on your site for us to even take a meeting with you. And that was things that started happening in 2011 that weren't happening in 2007 and 2008. Um, and so that was the force that really drove us to think we need to participate in this consolidation that's going to be happening in 2012 and 2013. Um, and from that point on, I have seen nothing but the publishing business rapidly consolidate more and more and more and more, um, you know, on the, on the digital side. Um, and we're seeing that, you know, happen uh, in real time now, um, you know, Vice most recently, um, you know, did an acquisition for Refinery29, um, you know, Group9, uh, you know, acquired uh, Pop Sugar, um, and the, comp the business that I work for, um, you know, PMC is, is obviously very, very acquisitive as well. Um, you know, so what, you know, what we're seeing now, though, is basically in the media side where you are seeing a lot of people being let go, you are seeing people be furloughed. Um, there's, there's a couple of drivers for that. One, you know, as an insertion order campaign-based business, platforms are very, very effective for insertion order campaign-based businesses, Facebooks, um, you know, Snapchat, we saw those guys in Q1, um, you know, their stock shut up about 37%. Um, and now you're seeing the rise of TikTok as well. Um, you know, all of these platforms which have massive followers and folks that are expressing themselves remotely, you know, are in the same business as digital publishers in terms of generating revenue. Um, you know, so those are all things that, you know, I think people need to be thoughtful about is, you know, how they are sitting in the line of, of value creation, you know, where they're sitting in terms of how their user interacts with them. Um, and so in that, in that regard, um, you know, B2B content, you know, content that's going to help you understand your bottom line and improve your bottom line, you know, is going to continue being of importance, um, you know, while consumers continue to, um, you know, flock to these platforms to find out about new trends um, and, and learn more about each other as a community. Uh, so those are some of the trend lines that I think that people ought to focus on when you're playing in some of these spaces. That's a really interesting uh, perspective. And what I loved uh, that you brought up, and this is the perfect segue to alpha data, is mentioning um, data charts or rankings and decision making. 
Um, so I'm wondering if you could give us a quick insight into how alpha data is generating um, charts and other um, analytics tools for people in the music business, or and I know eventually in other entertainment businesses as well. That was uh, a plan that's been longstanding for BuzzAngle. Um, so tell me a bit about the importance of charts today as you see them, um, both from a media side maybe and from a music decision-making side. For sure, absolutely. So I'll, I'll touch upon both of those in order. You know, from a media side, it is extremely gratifying to the artists. It's extremely gratifying to consumers as a discovery tool to understand what's number one, um, why it's number one, um, and how that unites us and brings us together as a culture. Um, and I have consistently believed um, that that is just a beautiful thing. And I have consistently believed that music is the when it comes to unification and when it comes to a representation of what people believe as a community, I continue to believe that music is the force multiplier, um, which is why it's something that I have been so passionate about and remain so passionate about. Um, and, you know, you, I, I, as a, as a, um, as a funny aside, but uh, which is not totally analogous to what we're talking about today, but um, you know, the many, many, many years ago, you know, the, the Maharashi, you know, defined uh, the Beatles as four angels because when they appeared on the Ed Sullivan show, um, there was no crime reported in the United States during that hour because everyone was glued to their television sets, you know, witnessing this momentous cultural occasion that, that was so powerful, you just couldn't look away from it. Um, and, you know, I think that that power um, remains today and manifests itself in different ways. Um, you know, obviously, Drake, uh, you know, he just put out 2C Slide. Uh, that's performing phenomenally well. Of course it does because it's, it's a Drake song. Um, but, you know, he also produced this incredible, um, you know, video of which really encapsulates um, you know, what we're all experiencing right now, uh, you know, in CV-19, you know, in, in living in isolation. Um, but the, the brilliant part of this as well is, you know, that he also created uh, this, this TikTok challenge um, of, you know, everybody, or whether that happened organically or not, you know, you've got so many people of all calibers, whether it's Justin Bieber or your next door neighbor, um, you know, showcasing themselves doing, you know, 2C Slide, you know, on TikTok, uh, along with the music. And I just think that there's something just absolutely wonderful about that and magical about that, that art and music can galvanize people, um, you know, to connect in so many different ways across so many different mediums and so many different platforms, especially in an environment like this. Um, you know, so that's what I continue to see the value, um, you know, of, of a chart and for people to understand what's popular and why it's popular. Um, and the other thing that I will, I'll dive into here too, which might be a little bit sentimental, um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to express myself when it comes to this, um, is that culture by my lights tends to go the way um, that, that music goes. Um, and, you know, you can sort of, you can sort of see that in a, in a non-scientific way. Um, but, you know, one of the other, you know, beautiful things that I, I haven't done the total research on, it probably is a good way to spend a Saturday or Sunday afternoon at some point. 
Um, you know, but, you know, one of the things about it is, is, you know, we live in this age now where, um, you know, we have, um, we, we had an African-American president. We, uh, we, we have African-American representation um, across all levels of government and, and leadership. Um, and, you know, that dials back into, um, you know, some, some African-American artists having huge number one singles and being at the tops of the charts for, for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks on end. Um, you know, so I always bear witness to that uh, as, a, as the artist representing a, a sense of empowerment for, for the community and the people that they come from. And I think that that's doubly true of, you know, of, you know, what's occurred, um, you know, with, with female empowerment and, you know, how that dials back to, you know, somebody like Madonna, um, you know, taking the charts, um, you know, by storm, um, you know, back in the eighties and becoming one of the, the, the largest, uh, cultural pop icons in the world. And, you know, how that has since, you know, uh, you know, waterfalled, um, you know, into, um, you know, women having, a lot of representation in in government women having representation at leadership across all levels uh and, and across all segments of of, uh, of capitalism and so i i would really like to think that the association be, between the power of music and what those artists represent and what they've what they've brought changes culture and changes our aptitude to accept other people for who they are Cool. That's a, I love the the big picture thinking, and it's exciting to think that um, you know something that seems. Uh, forgive me, this is your business, but I you know yeah. it's a, a chart. It's a chart. It's a chart of the top ten or top hundred artists or whatever. And some people tend tend to think that that's not a big deal, but it can be perhaps a bellwether for something um, for bigger sea changes. That's really really cool. That's uh, a mixed metaphor there. <laughs> Blame it, blame it on, blame it on isolation. Um, so let's let's get a little bit more. Um, I want to hear a little bit more though about how these things come together. How do you gather the data? What kind of sources? How do you weigh them? I mean, of course, we can't give away um, the full algorithm for deciding a chart for an outlet like Rolling Stone. But how do you guys go about um, putting a chart together? I think people have a lot of folks out there may have never really um, thought about that in great depth. But there's a lot to it. Yeah, for, for, for starters, um, you know, what I will comment on is that, um, you know, we actually can and do. So our methodologies are published, um, you know, on the Alpha Data website. Uh, the charts overview and methodology is available for anyone to click on and take a look at. Um, it's a long read. It's got a lot of um, equations inside of it, but the transparency is there. Uh, and that is also co-represented on the Rolling Stone charts overview as well on the Rolling Stone website. So you can go in and see exactly how we arrive at the conclusions that we arrive at. Um, and so that's something that we're really proud of. And that's something that we're going to continue to to bring to bring to the table. Um, you know, speaking for Alpha Data, you know, what I can tell you is when it comes to our principles and what we back into as an organization, we don't do we don't draw the curtains and try to spring something on the world, um, you know, for better or for worse. And we have often found that it is for better. Um, we demonstrate what we are trying to accomplish in the full view of our customers and all of our constituents, uh, and try to get as much feedback as possible in real time to get to the best answer as quickly as we can. Um, you know, so that is just an aside there. And, you know, what's the secret sauce? Um, you know, we, we basically have the sauce out there for, uh, you know, for you to look at and it's something that we're pretty transparent about. How all this comes together um, 
is actually quite interesting. Uh, and you know, it is, uh, it, it takes a, it takes a little while for everybody who's participating in the music industry, um, you know, to become comfortable, um, with these stack ranked lists of dissimilar consumption types, which is what, you know, billboard is, it's what the Rolling Stone charts are, and it's what alpha data does, uh, you know, as a business as well. Um, and so the reason that there's any tension, um, is because the, the, the platforms on which people listen to music and consume music are, are all different and they all have different parameters and they all endeavor to provide music to you, um, you know, in different ways. And, uh, you know, these, what I'm about to express right now is all publicly available information because everyone is using these platforms, but you know, when you're going on to Apple music, that you've got a you got a trial period, um, and then after that, it's a it's a it's a nine dollar ninety nine cent a month ecosystem, uh, and there's no ad supported. So Apple have one type of consumption in Apple Music, which is paid streams. Spotify have a different point of view. Um, there are plenty of people who are using Spotify right now who are ad supported only, and there are decamillions of people who are who are paying for the service. Um, and so the value, the economic value of the consumption type between a paid stream uh, and an ad supported stream are different, um, and they're different for very, very obvious reasons um, that one is a transactional uh, set of data and one is a non-transactional set of data. When you're a subscriber um, you know, to a service, you get a receipt. There is a, there is a transaction that occurs between you as a user and the platform that you're using. Uh, if it's ad supported, there's no receipt, there, there's no transaction. And so that is the difference in the consumption types. And that goes on and on and on for, you know, there's demand streaming, um, which is when you go and click on something. And then there's program streaming where you basically dial into a radio station like Pandora. Um, you know, so there's, there's a million different ways to experience music. Uh, and that diversity creates a, a lot of beauty. And that, di that, that diversity creates a lot of discovery. Um, but it also creates a lot of competition and a lot of competition and what the true economic value um, of a transaction ought to be. And so what we do is that we partner up with the major label groups and we partner up with the data service providers uh, and we arrive at that conclusion of, 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 of an industry sanctioned chart, which is, um, which, which is a process to go about developing. It's also, a it's also a process to go out and get this data from these providers as well. Um, so it really comes down to trust. It comes down to authenticity um, and it comes down to basically wanting to create diversification and, you know, more complex competition, you know, inside the music space, um, you know, so that, you know, the, the artists that are most deserving of your attention, um, you know, continue to flourish. And so that is the, that's the art angle and that's the experience of the, um, you know, how the consumer will interact with an artist. But when a consumer is interacting with an artist, you know, they have no concept or care of that artist labels share of market or the data service provider's share of market. Um, you know, they're, they care about experiencing the art, but the share of market is extremely important, um, you know, to these label groups. The share of market is extremely important to the data service providers, um, you know, as well. Um, so we provide an independent third-party resource um, in order for them to understand their market shares and establish those market shares going into the future. 
Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a lot of um, interesting negotiation, <laughs> yeah. and 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 really some, some probably some tough calculations, and that's that's fascinating. Uh, so we've had a crazy Q1. Very, you know, the, the according to the old curse, may you live in interesting times. It's been extremely interesting. Um, I'm wondering if you can share um, any insights or dynamics you guys have noticed. Anything? I know there's been a lot of reporting about streaming falling, but subscriptions going up, and you know, there's been a lot of interesting, um, you know, Q1 earning reports that, and so, and some genres are doing well, and some are, are stagnating. Uh, tell us a bit about how you guys see things and and what you're um, what you're what you're seeing and what you're foreseeing for perhaps for the next couple months. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, one of the amazing one of the amazing things about audio and audio as a medium um, is that it can always it can always be with you. And by saying that, I, I also do want to comment that you know people do understand and 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 experience YouTube largely as a video platform, but YouTube are also YouTube music is also very much in the audio space, right? Um, you know, so all of these platforms are you know manifesting themselves on audio, and audio you can do so much in your daily life with audio as a companion that, and, and, you know, video doesn't necessarily act as a companion The video. You obviously need to train several senses on it, but certainly sight and, and sound have to be trained on a, um, on a visual medium. Uh, and obviously when you're focused on something visually that takes you out of the game of doing anything else visual. Right. So you can't ride a bike, you can't exercise, you can't drive. If you're, if you're at least for right now, until <laughs> becomes more prominent, you can't do any of those things, you know, if you're glued to a screen looking at something else. So that's really where, where the power of audio manifests itself. And also why we've seen such a tremendous rise, uh, you know, in podcasts because audio, you know, remains the, the ultimate companion. Um, and so the, the thing that's quite interesting there is people's daily lives have been completely upended, uh, and audio as a companion, you know, has shifted. So people are not driving to work. People are not going to gyms and exercising with their, with their headphones in, uh, people are not getting on trains and commuting to their friends' places or to, um, you know, to uh, to their workplace either. So all of these things where audio represents itself as a companion, that's been flipped on its head since we're essentially all home all the time right now. Um, you know, so it 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 doesn't take looking at it from the from this, from the viewpoint of audio companionship or audio as a companion, um, you're going to be in a different mood. You're going to want a different, um, I guess the appropriate word is vibe. Um, you know, depending on how that companionship takes place. Um, you know, so if you are depending on your tastes in music, um, you know, if you're exercising, if you're going out for, you know, a, a run on the treadmill, um, you know, if you're, if you're commuting to work and want to close off the world around you, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're like a sardine in a, in a tin can on a subway, um, you know, depending on your tastes, you know, that's appropriate for hip hop. That's appropriate for, you know, electronic music. That's appropriate for rock and hard rock and metal. Um, and, you know, maybe when you're, when you're sitting at home in between zoom meetings, um, you know, you do want a little bit more of a chill environment. And that's why, you know, even in, in his earnings call, Daniel Eck talked about classical listening, uh, you know, being on the rise in Spotify. Uh, 
Um, you know, so what you are seeing is you know, the, the, the major primary genres that drive cultural life and nightlife are decreasing because there is no nightlife any longer and there is no cultural life any longer. There's your life at home and the, and the music that's a better companion for your life at home. You're starting to see upticks on that. And obviously if you have a family that is also driving into children's listening. So, you know, children's listening is also growing um, as a share of genre, um, you know, because people are home with their kids, um, you know, all day long, the kids aren't going to school anymore. The kid, if your kids have caretakers or people who, who pick them up and, and, um, you know, take them to, to preschool or, or, um, you know, or, or, um, you know, pick them up preschool and bring them home, whatever it is, you're with your kids for the entirety of that continuity or, it's largely broken up, um, and so the music that they that they want to listen to is what's being you know what's being played, um, and so what we're seeing is those upticks in genres um, that are don't necessarily correspond to cultural life, don't necessarily correspond um, you know to to nightlife whatsoever. Um, you know nobody is going to go to Tao and put on the wheels on the bus go round and round. Um, you know, that's not the way life works. Um, you know, so that's what, Thank so God. That's, yeah, so that's what you're, that's what you're doing. And, and, you know, look, at this stage, you know, at this stage, you know, one of these, uh, you know, crazy creative DJs out there, um, you know, might, might start, you know, they might start mixing, um, you know, smooth jazz and classical music, um, you know, because it's around all of us right now, you know, into, uh, you know, into what they're doing. And they, and they might come out with some music that's influenced by this just because of the listening habits that are appropriate and appropriate for the at-home environment. Um, you know, so that's where all the, that's where all the trends are going. And it's, it's really interesting to just see how, again, you know, the thing about this, which is interesting, is that music is not being replaced at all. It's just that the genre is changing because people are create use music to create moods. Uh, and, um, you know, there are a lot of moods that unfortunately right now we just can't participate in as a society because it's inappropriate. Yeah, it does. It can feel a little, a little crazy to listen to the lyrics or certain vibes um, right now. Yeah. Uh, the the other interesting uh, trend that I've I've read about and that's been reported on is a lot of interest in catalogs. So, um, you know, people going back to the mu music that was big in the two thousands, in the nineties, in the eighties, um, or deeper, depending on what you know, TikTok has surfaced a lot of really interesting things, even going back to the forties and thirties. Um, it's amazing how older music is having these, these new, these resurgences based on um, really, really contemporary um, obsessions um, as well as just people going back and wanting to hear a familiar comforting or, you know, just revisiting an old album they haven't thought of in a thousand years. Um, so I'm wondering what you guys are seeing on that front. And if there's any, been any interesting things that have ticked up on the charts, charts recently um it could be before um the all this craziness started that you were kind of surprised by right for sure so there is a um you're you're the points you're making are, are right on um and you know one of the things when you look at the appropriate environments for for music you know one of the things that that pops up every single year um you know around uh, around November going into December is uh, you're, you're going to start to see a whole lot of Mariah Carey on the charts. Um, and that's because holiday music becomes completely appropriate because it's the holidays. Um, and so for, so for right now, I think the, 
the point you're trying to make, which the data is there to support, um, is in a, in a lot of ways, catalog listening, um, you know, is growing, um, you know, during the, during this period of time. And the, the thing that's interesting is that the platforms are, are very much geared towards, you know, new and recent. Um, and I'll just, I'll dive into that, you know, very quickly. Um, you know, so, so those, um, you know, those, those rules are, you know, anything that's over 78 weeks old is basically catalog. Anything that's one week to 78 weeks is, is current. Um, and then, you know, there's new, which is, you know, basically a, a four week timeline. And then there's recent as well. So those are the four divisions. And then there's, you know, then there's deep catalog, which is things over, you know, 20 years of age. Um, and so all of these, all of this catalog listening is is starting to pick back up, um, and um, you know the, the the platforms are adapting to that, um, you know, in real time to to support those listening habits. Um, but also, I think that this is an appropriate time for nostalgia, and I think that this is also an appropriate time, um, you know, for for comfort. Um, you know, so I look at the you know, the, the catalog music, um, you know, that's important to you when you were at that period of discovery, it's basically the equivalent of like a weighted blanket. Um, you know how they have all these weighted blankets that, you know, weigh like 15 or 20 pounds. And when you're anxious and depressed, when it's like dark at four o'clock, you throw them on and you feel better. Um, and by the way, I, I have one and I can tell you that it does actually work. The, the, the intended, the desired effect is, is, is definitely executed in the product. Um, and so I think that there's, there's, there's that going on as well. And there's also songs that were, you know, from the past, um, you know, that, that have a message that is meaningful, um, you know, t for today, um, you know, at, at the start of this, you know, the police is, you know, don't stand so close to me started popping. Um, it's those sort of cultural inferences as well um, that have also started manifesting themselves in catalog listening. Yeah, it was even even Joy Division's isolation got a little yeah. bump there, which I was like, that's that's that I didn't see that one coming. Um, definitely not a weighted blanket song. Um, yeah. <laughs> depending depends on how you like your blankets. Well, um, this is all really fascinating. And I could I could probably talk to you about um, what people are listening to for hours. Um, but we're, we're getting to the end of our time here. And Stephen, I was wondering if there's any um, anything new you want to point out anywhere you see data going, any new exciting challenges you guys are taking on in terms of gathering more insights from newer platforms, just any fun, new future looking thing you wanted to share. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So, you know, on, on our end, you know, one of the things that we're most proud of, um, you know, as we continue to work with our with our partners across the music space um, is, you know, we are building out all of our applications uh, on cloud based environments. Um, and, you know, we're really excited about you know, how much value that's going to provide to the industry and how much value that that's going to provide to our customers, um, you know, to be able to get API enterprise level reports that, you know, could, could typically take hours to run, you know, down into minutes, um, you know, so we're very, we're very, very excited about that. Um, and I, I think overall, you know, the, the, the trend lines, um, you know, for, you know, for all of, for all of music, um, is that, you know, even though this is a, this is a period of time where everybody, um, is locked down and, um, you know, there's plenty of speculation in the press and in the media about whether or not we're entering, 
um, you know, the end of globalization or we're, we're, we're going to go into a retrenched, isolated world. Um, you know, I think that nobody knows the answer. And I think that I think that opinions are, especially at this day and age, are 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 free and in our large supply. Um, you know, so you should take them for what they're worth. Um, but what I can tell you from from a music standpoint is that the consistent feedback from everyone that we have conversations with is international, international, international. We want more international data. We want to understand more international. Um, listening habits, um, you know, for, for artists themselves, um, go, having a having a global maximum as opposed to a local maximum is extremely important. Uh, and those just in those instantaneous distribution channels uh, now exist to take artists uh, all the way across the world uh, in a very, very short period of time. Um, and so, you know, we can we can see all of that, um, you know, happening um, and, and continuing to happen. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, international is something that is, will continue to grow. Um, and, you know, as more and more applications become, you know, cloud-based, um, you know, that's a trend line that, you know, is, is basically reached a, uh, re reached basically a, um, uh, a high watermark. Um, and obviously the, the next step, um, is, uh, is quantum. And I don't know, I'm not smart enough to tell you what quantum's effect is going to have on music. Uh, I'm, I'm not smart enough to tell you what quantum's effect is going to be uh, on, on music technology. Um, but I do know the thought of instantaneous communication um, across artists is something that's very, 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 very exciting. Uh, and instantaneous distribution, um, you know, so we'll see how that trend line, um, you know, pans out and maps itself out. Um, and just going back into, um, you know, the world sort of following uh, music's lead in a lot of ways, um, you know, it's, it's probably a good time to, you know, as we hear this speculation about isolationism and retrenchment, um, you know, it's also probably a good time to point out that, you know, in, in 2017, um, you know, Justin Bieber, uh, you know, in his rendition of, of you know, Despacito, um, you know, was on the top of the charts for, you know, 13 weeks and was one of the most consumed, um, most consumed um, uh, pieces of music or pieces of art, basically of of all time, um, you know. So essentially, if you if you if you want to take that, um, you know, as a um, if you want to take that as a as a symbol um, of you know internationalization, um, you know, you basically had a song from a global pop star who is Canadian. Um, singing a song in Spanish uh, that was written, um, you know, by an artist from Puerto Rico. Uh, and I think that that type of collaboration and I think that type of innovation is going to continue apace. And I do not think that we are going to run far afield from that based on the technolog technological landscape that we do have and the distribution that's facilitated by the technology we have in place. Yeah, and if you think about the, some of the big music markets, um, you know, whether Latin South America and also India, you know, India, people have been really well primed thanks to some um, open-eared um, hip-hop producers to yeah. get really into some Indian pop sounds or Indian folk sounds. And there's all sorts of cool stuff that you can imagine happening and with the success of things like T-Series. I'm just like waiting, like looking at the clock, waiting for the first sort of 
you know, equivalent to Despacito from the Indian subcontinent. It's going to happen. Um, but I think yeah, you're totally I, right. It's a global future and music is definitely pointing that way. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a, a shameless plug here by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, Raja Kumari is, uh, you know, is an Indian American, you know, rapper oh, yeah. and, and, you know, she's someone that, you know, everyone should ought to really pay attention to. Um, and so that, you know, that, that, that globalized world that you that you just described so eloquently, um, you know, I, I think is going to continue apace and we're going to try to drive that through our products and our features, um, you know, so people can understand, uh, the pace at which they have to distribute and the pace that they have to innovate. Great. Thank you so much for taking the time, Stephen. This was really fun. And, um, it was great to cover all these topics from the media to music. And, um, we even got to talk a little bit about quantum computing. That doesn't happen every podcast. So try grateful to squeeze for that in. I try to squeeze it in every time. <laughs> yeah. uh, thanks so much for the time. And just let me know how I can be helpful, uh, with following up with anything. All right. Awesome. Um, thanks so much. And thanks everybody for listening. Um, this was Music Tectonics and you can find out more about our upcoming events at our and our blog and all the other fun music tectonic-y things that you are seeking, musictectonics.com. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care. You're listening to Music Tectonics.